Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time! What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir! Ain't we just! Hi. There's a gun on Shh, run. It's the quiet car. Gotta use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and I am looking forward to watching Thor Love and Thunder this week. Hi, I'm producer Dave. Uh, I wasn't even I didn't even know it was coming out this week. I knew it was coming out soon, but not this week. I, oh, I, I've see and in, in my ranking of all of the MCU movies, right? My number one has just been my number one is Guardians of the Galaxy, right? That, that's but that's my number one. It's solidified its place 100 percent I can watch that movie on repeat, no problem. Which one? One or two? Volume one. Volume one is is right there, right at the top. It's perfect, right? Now, right next to it, just like half half a hair's breadth in number two is a tie between volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, right? Those those three films, and I've I've already planned my, my if if I if I were given the opportunity to plan my last minutes or my, my last let's say my last day on earth right is my last day that's how i'm going to die right if i had to plan it would be i'd spend like a, a third of the day doing some of the stuff that i like to do uh, whatever that is then i'd spend the remaining um I, i'd spend um another okay let's see so it's a quarter of the day doing my own stuff then it'll be half of the day right with my family and my loved ones and saying our goodbyes and all that kind of stuff and then for the remaining quarter of the day i would not spend that with my family i'd send my family away because i am of the belief that my family shouldn't watch me pass because at the end of the day, i don't want to leave them with that memory let them leave and i'll be locked in a room by myself and you just queue up the following movies you start off with Guardians of the Galaxy, then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, then, Guardians, then uh, Thor Ragnarok, and then 
Oh brother, where art thou? Because for me, I have to die halfway <laughs> through. Oh brother, where art thou? Right. So that <laughs> the movie starts. It starts playing, and in the middle of it, somewhere, that's how I just pass, real peaceful. In the middle, somewhere in the middle of. Oh, actually, I know exactly where it has to be. And it's not in the middle. It's towards the end. It's the moment. Um, uh, what was his name? Everett McGill steps on stage and starts to sing "Man of Constant Sorrow," and the audience gets up. That's the moment that when when the hairs, the back of my hair, uh, the back of my neck lift at that moment when he's having his moment of realization. That's the moment I want to pass. So if if fate and anyone is hearing me, that's how I would like to go. Anyway, but long story short, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, favorite MCU movie of all time. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and tie with Thor Ragnarok. The reason I'm bringing all that up is because this week, Part Four in the trillion in the quadrilogy that is Thor is coming out. Right, Thor: Love and Thunder. I've seen one trailer, the very first trailer of it. Because that's my thing. I I don't like watching MCU movies because MCU trailers because they show a lot of stuff in the trailer that I would like to see firsthand. So I I now have a new rule. When the first trailer drops, I'll watch the first trailer once and I avoid it. So I'll watch that first trailer, which doesn't usually have much in the way of spoilers, which is great. And they did that perfectly, where they don't show much in the way of what's going to happen in the story. Right? They just show. Some parts of the comedy between, so you know, we have Thor's going to be back. We have Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be back because obviously they, when you see at the end of Endgame, the last time we saw Thor, he was getting on the Milano with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they were flying off, and he made a joke that they were the Asgardians of the Galaxy, which is funny. And then you know, you see the start of this movie where he is there. With the Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's an interplay between them, and it's like it's just it's it's awesome, it's fantastic. I saw that trailer, and I'm fully in. Now I've already I've started seeing some um, feedback on the movie. Uh, some reviews have started coming out. Apparently, it's it's seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, and someone had posted um, that they without any spoilers of their review, they say. If you loved Thor Ragnarok, then this is your movie. Now, what did I say was you know my favorite of the MCU movies or my second favorite of the MCU movies? It's Ragnarok, right? So this is in my wheelhouse. So I cannot wait to just revel in Thor: Love and Thunder. We'll see how it goes. Producer Dave, now that you know that Thor: Love and Thunder is coming out this week, do you feel as enthused to watch it as I do? Well, if it's in the same vein as Ragnarok, then yeah, fine. Because uh, I have to say, I yawned through the first two. Um, the only, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. The first, oh, the first one. Oh, good lord, the first one. I suppose as a an introduction to Thor and the mythology, it was okay, but it it was kind of heavy going. But uh, the second one, oh, good gosh. See, the second one has its moments. It does. But the thing is, it's moments that when it was good was when it was Thor and Loki, right? When they were when they were going hand in hand, uh, in when they were interacting, that's what that those are my favorite parts of the second film, right? Um, which I guess is one of the things that got kind of like got transferred into Ragnarok and got blown in in more, you know, they leaned more into that sort of relationship between the two of them. But yeah, I mean, the second one was 
it was dry. It was very, very dry. It is, it, it is very commonly referred to as one of the worst films in the MCU from, you know, phase one to phase three. Since phase four has come out, there, that, that has been elevated, right? Uh, Thor 2 has been elevated as being not so bad. It, it went from, this is terrible, to, eh, I, 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 we, we might have been harsh on it. Uh, but I see, I agree with you completely. I think Ragnarok came out and completely rescued Thor for me. And I, I, I just cannot wait to watch it. I'm going to watch it this weekend. And the next time we have a conversation, I'm going to see it in that. Actually, you should watch it as well. So because that way, the next time when we start geeking out together, when I geek out, I'm going to geek out on it. Um, you can geek with me. You can say, yes, I agree. And we yeah, can- well, I'm going, to, I'm going to be watching, uh, what's it called again? Uh, uh, Doctor Strange again, because I've finally seen that. And I need to go back and watch that because uh, there are a couple of things that, didn't sit right with me, and I think <laughs> kind of like, okay, um, how did that happen, and how okay. did you make that leap to there? And okay, do you want? Do you want to? No, no, no. We're not going to do okay. that now. It's just recently, right. but like I said, I want to go back and watch that. So, I mean, what else is there apart from superhero films? Out well, there? well, that's. It. I'm glad you asked. We'll we'll do that in just a second. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance for a 4.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we've just been ranting. Oh, that's ranting. I have been going off on a uh, on tangent. a ramble, on a tangent and a ramble, talking about uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. But I realized that, and just as producer Dave has just pointed out, you know, we all we lately we've been talking a lot about superhero movies, and there are a lot of you who are thinking, ah, I'm, I'm sick and tired of superhero movies, and we want to cater to that. So what we're going to do before we jump into our spotlight section, which today, which is where we're talking to a comedian, Phil Green, who has his comedy show that he's taking up to Edinburgh this year called 90s Boy, Blair, The Love Gun, and Me. But before we do that, maybe we'll jump into film and TV news and talk about some non-superhero movies. Let's do that in film and TV news. I stumbled across this article on fandomwire.com, Tyson in its title saying 13 non-superhero action movies of 2022 we should look forward to. So I started reading this article um, and the very first uh, film that popped up on the article made me go, hold on a second, that film's come out already. And I looked at when the article came out and the article came out eight months ago. So... We're gonna we're gonna go through and we're gonna see the thirteen non superhero films that Peyton Manning, who wrote this article for FandomWire.com, thought we should go and see it, and then we'll talk about whether we have seen it or whether we're anticipating it, and if we did see it, what we thought about it, and so on and so forth. So let's go. Let's start with the very first one on the list. The very first one on the list is the three five five. Producer Dave, have you heard of the three five five? No, I haven't. Okay. I, I, when, you, when you said it, I was like, what? <laughs> okay, so the 355, this female lead, this female-led movie features a team-up between Jessica Chastain, Penelope Cruz, Lupita Nyong'o, Marion Cotillard. So it is like uh, female spies, right? They all get together. Jessica Chastain is CIA. Uh, Penelope Cruz is like a psychiatrist who gets dragged into what they're doing, and so on and so forth. 
and it was um, it it wasn't well received when it came out in January. So it came out, and it, it, I, I guess there was like the whole thing about it was actually supposed to come out a while ago, but due to COVID and everything, it got delayed and so on. So that kind of you know dampened it a little bit for people. But and I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to get past any judgment on it. I want to watch it. I I like all of those actresses. Every single one of those actresses that, that are in that grouping, I like them. Um, so I you know I'll go and check it out and I'll see what uh, what what's what. Uh, okay, so number two on the list is Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. This one was supposed to have come out in January 2021. It's a Guy Ritchie film starring Jason Statham. And it says they're returning for an action thriller, which includes Aubrey Plaza and Josh Hartnett. Jeff, um, Jeff, Jeff Statham. Uh, Jason Statham plays an MI60, uh, MI6 agent, Orson Fortune, who teams up with the help of the, a big Hollywood star for an undercover operation. Bruce Dave, have you heard of this film? Not at all. No, that's not true. I heard that there was a film coming out that had been directed by uh, Madonna's Gar- ex. Garrity, yeah. Yeah, but um, I t- took no notice of it because well, virtually all of the films that he's done have bombed. No, I wouldn't go as far as saying all the films he's done. I said virtually all. Virtually all. Okay, fair enough. Virtually all. I, the thing is, I'd heard of this film last year but it just dropped off the face of the earth. I, I, I don't know where it is. So I'm, I don't even know what reviews, if there are any reviews of it, but I'll, I'll hunt it down and I'll see if I, if I can find it and I'll watch it and I'll put that in the list and then say, right, I've watched those two movies and either, eh, or they were great. We'll see. Anyway, number three on the list, Ambulance. This is uh, um, Michael Bay. It's Michael Bay moving away from Transformers movies, right? And it's got uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, and a number of other people in it. It's basically following, oh, and uh, Isa Gonzalez as well. It's following these two bank robbers who following uh, the robbery going wrong, they hijack an ambulance with uh, Isa Gonzalez being a paramedic, and they're trying, to, they're trying to keep a police officer that they've shot alive, Otherwise, the the pursuing the hotly pursuing LAPD, uh, I think it's LAPD, and uh, it's chasing or the police that's chasing them would it basically will kill them, and that's what the entire movie is kind of uh, focused on. Um, I haven't, I, I have seen a bit of this movie. I saw a large chunk of the movie in like the making of, and I, I really want to watch this film. I, I am going to watch it because I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's great. I think he's a fantastic actor. Uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. You know him from things like he's in Aquaman. He plays Black um, Black Manta in Aquaman. He's in the new uh, in, in uh, Matrix Re- 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 Matrix. What's the new Matrix one? Revolutions. Um, is in no Revolutions is the third one. So it's Matrix Reloaded, Ma- Matrix Re- uh, whatever the fourth one is. Uh, <laughs> Ma- Matrix Recycled. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, that, it, it's it, yeah, he's in that one. He plays the new Morpheus uh, in that one. Um, and I like him as well and different things that I've seen him in. He's been in a whole bunch of other things. He was in uh, the TV show version of, man, things are just escaping my memory. What's the Watchmen? Yes, the TV series Watchmen. He plays a character. I'm not going to say who he plays uh, because that's a big spoiler, but he's in it as well. 
Um, anyway, but yes, yeah, so this is this is that's a film that I do want to see. In fact, I, I have I want to see it in its entirety. It actually got quite a lot of good reviews um, for a Michael Bay movie, and that not even for a Michael Bay movie because that's sort of damning, damning it with faint praise. Um, there a lot of the a lot of the um, good reviews of it, you know, catching it in the fact that it's a Michael Bay movie is the fact that. Obviously, Michael Bay for the last decade has pretty much spent his time doing Transformers movies, which a lot of people hate. And so this is something that is not doesn't involve robots at all, um, but was very critically lauded because of the pacing, the the acting, and the, the script, and so on and so forth. So in Ambulance is something I want to check out to see how we go. Yeah, same here. Yeah, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And we are talking about the 13 non-superhero action movies of 2022 uh, that Peyton Manning from FandomWire.com said eight months ago that we should be looking forward to. We have now, we're reached number four, and number four is Bullet Train. This one stars Brad Pitt. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, Michael Shannon, Sandra Bullock, Zazie Beetz, uh, Logan Lerman, a whole bunch of people in it. Um, and it, this one, I've seen trailers for it, and I definitely want to see it. It's not out yet, even though, and I guess, I, I think I see why, uh, because obviously he, this, this writer is obviously American, and as such, these American dates are earlier than ours. So although it says Bullet Train should come out in April, on April 8th, I think it's coming out later in the UK. Uh, but this one is, it, from the trailers, it looks like um, uh, Brad Pitt is kind of like a laid-back thief who's trying to get back into the game, and he's being hired to steal a suitcase from this bullet train that is in, I think, some part of Asia. The problem is that uh, suitcase is being hunted or being guarded or, or is being, you know, coveted by numerous hitmen and numerous gangsters on this same train. So he has to steal this suitcase and evade for all these. It's it's funny. It's you know, the, the trailer is funny. It's slapstick. Brad Pitt, when he does, you know, stoner type, you know, characters, he's great at it. I love Brad Pitt. So definitely, definitely Bullet Train is already on my radar. I want to have a look at it. Producer Dave, have you heard of Bullet Train? And if you have, is it something you're interested in seeing? I had heard of it, very little, but I've heard of it, and I fancy seeing it as well. But I'm more looking forward to World uh, World War Z Part Two with Batman. Is that is that is that still come? Is that supposed to be coming out? I thought that was like uh, uh, stuck in development hell. I think it's still stuck in development hell, which is unfortunate because I, I, I actually really did like that film. Don't ask me why. It was okay. Um, I mean, it, it, so so some of what they did was all right. Uh, it, for me, it's not one that I would jump to as like, yes, I definitely want to watch that again. But you know, I see your point. All right. So number five, uh, Top Gun Maverick. This one came out recently. I still haven't seen it. This one got rave reviews. Uh, it did amazingly well in the box office. Uh, it it trend for like four weeks in a row. It's it, it, it's fourth week. Um, uh, box office in the UK it, it was just in the UK or worldwide actually uh, coming out fourth week beat the um, Lightyear that came out with the Pixar's Lightyear 
on its first week. It's like the, the fact that Top Gun in its fourth week is pulling numbers that a Pixar film couldn't pull around Buck, around um, uh, Father's Day is t- tells you everything. But uh, yeah, so Top Gun Maverick, I still haven't seen it yet. Producer Dave, what about you? Uh, no, no. There's more chance of me going to see um, Lightyear than seeing Top Gun. Really? Okay. Yeah, right and I'm I'm not that I'm not that invested in Lightyear either. I mean, in actual fact, no. I still still don't really want to do that. Despicable Me, uh, what's it? Minions. 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 Yeah. yeah, the Minions one is is more likely to see me than than the uh, thing we do. Well, I won't, we I won't go chest up in um, formal gear though. You, you know what I think you are going to go want to go see? Our number, our number six film, which is John Wick 4. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, go okay, on. let's not say any more about that. We're just about to agree and move on to the next one. <laughs> don't, spoil, don't, don't even tell me what the sto- story is. I want, it, I want it to be nice and surprising. All right, fair enough. I won't surprise. I won't tell you anything about it. Although there are some some excellent names popping up in this, but I won't oh, tell, tell you me the names. That's fine. You know. Okay. Well, they said Lawrence Fishburne is returning, so the Bowery King he's come back. But also, apparently, it's going to have Donnie Yen. Now, if you know mm-hmm. Donnie Yen, Ip Man, he was in Rogue. Uh, the, the, he was the blind uh, Jedi Master in in uh, Rogue Rogue One. Yeah, oh, so, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Donnie Yen is an amazing actor, um, martial artist as well, so he's going to be in it. That's good. But that's um, John Wick 4, supposed to be coming out later on this year. We'll see. Uh, number seven on the list is Havoc. This one is Tom Hardy. So Tom Hardy's next big action thr- uh, thriller is quite exciting, written and directed by The Raid director, uh, Gareth Evans. If you've seen the, the Raid, oh, oh, my God, The Raid is amazing. It is, um, it, it, it's, it is, it's, ba- it, oh, I can describe it. It is a Taiwanese, is it Tai, is, is Taiwan? Uh, I think it's a Taiwanese film um, with martial arts in it. It's about this SWAT team that have to attack a tower block because a, a criminal they're trying to arrest is at the top of the building. As soon as they get in, the, the criminal locks down the entire building and tells the, the entire floor, all the floors of, you know, gangsters and thugs and killers that the SWAT team are in the building and that they need to get killed. So these SWAT, they, these, they, they have to fight their way up this tower to capture this guy and bring him back down. It is, a, it is just an unbelievable feat of physical martial arts fighting. It is oh, it's a fantastic film. So if Gareth Evans is directing it, uh, then this is going to be good as well. So it says here, uh, this could be Netflix's next attempt uh, to match John Wick as the story is set after a drug deal gone wrong. We follow a bruised detective who'd fight his way through the criminal underwear, uh, underwear underworld to, res- <laughs> to rescue this estranged son of a politician. <laughs> that criminal, that criminal underwear, bloody hell! Has it got many a skin mark? <laughs> My goodness, I'd watch that. I'd watch. I'd watch Tom. I'd, I'd, the underwear. I'd, I'd watch Tom. I'd watch Tom Hardy try to fight through someone's underwear. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's got uh, Tim, Timothy Oliphant in it, who's from Walking, not Walking Dead. He's from uh, Dead, Deadwood. Um, Deadwood, yeah, Deadwood, and a whole number of other and uh, Justified. Oh. 
Timothy Oliphant, that guy is, for me, everything he's in, I love him in it. And then Forrest Whitaker is also starring in it. So, yes, that, those are good. Anyway, uh, Jurassic 8. Jurassic Hang on, what 8. was the name of that last film? Uh, that last one was Havoc on Netflix. Havoc. Okay. Yes. So, I said Jurassic 8, which is a slip of the tongue. I meant to say uh, Jurassic World Dominion is at number eight. Uh, and that came out and it was. Uh, have you seen? Did you see that one, Bruce Davis? That's the one which had the original two stars in the first. Original in the first three, one. original three, because Sam Neil. Um, oh yeah, that's right, three. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't have the. It didn't have the two kids. No, it didn't have the kids. It didn't have the kids. Which, which I think was a mistake. Really? Yeah, I think it should have had the two kids because they were a central part of that entire film. You saw the the, the development of. Uh, Paternal feelings in the in the Sam Neil character. Yeah, but you know they're not kids anymore, right? You know they're like yeah, exactly. Like, this is the, this is the exact point because yeah. it's like twenty or so years later. You to see those kids grown up and see how they respond to him and him respond to her would have been a nice little side thing. A, a little trick, a little trick they missed, but also how the protected in one film, become the protectors in the other film because they're so much stronger, fitter, faster than these two old people who rescued them in the first one. Well, I, 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 I don't know if that would have been a better movie, although from the reviews, it is. it sounds like it would have been a better movie because this movie apparently <laughs> sucked. So uh, yeah, when we talked, we talked about this earlier. We, we talked about this earlier in the year. This film coming out, and I said almost exactly the same thing as I'm saying. You did, yes, yes, absolutely. It's just, I think they just gave up. They've just given up. They just said, look, just put some monsters running right, you know, left, right, yeah. center, and and that will be fine. Yeah. The story, the story is supposed to be terrible. The kiddies love their, the kiddies love their, um, the kiddies yeah. love their dinosaurs. Yeah, I guess. But hey, it is making money. I don't think. I think this is the last one. I don't think they're going to come back and do anything else. But hey, we'll see. Uh, right, number nine. So we're we're almost towards the end of the list. Number nine is Expendables four. They haven't announced when it's going to be coming out yet, but Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, and the rest of the gang are returning for a final Expendables outing. This time around, Statham will battle Tony Jaa. Oh, do you know who Tony Jaa is? Tony martial Jaa, artist. Martial artist on back. I think I believe Tony Jaa is yeah. on back. Let me just. On back. Uh, it is on back, right? Uh, just uh, talking about the raid and the, very honestly. Um, I, I was going to mention um, that he was in the raid. No, no, he's not in the raid. He's not in the raid. I was going to, when I was describing the raid, I was talking about how ferocious the fighting style was mm. in the raid. And I was going to say almost reminiscent of Tony Jaa's work in stuff like Ong Back and so on, because all of the fighting was real. It wasn't like, you know, like fake punches and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't core. It's yes, it was choreographed, obviously, but the stunts and everything else were full on, you know, done by the actors. But now he's in this one, so Jason Statham is going against Tony Jaa. Amazing. Uh, other cast members include Megan Fox, Eco Wires, and Fifty Cent. Apparently, is coming back into it. He's coming into it. Hey, we'll see how that goes. I, I like I like Sylvester Stone. I liked the Expendables movie. We'll see how it goes. Number ten in the list is The Gray Man, which I believe. He's coming out pretty soon on Netflix. It's starring um, Ryan Re Ryan Gosling, 
as a an assassin and a former CIA operative. And Chris Evans is going to be in it as well. Uh, if I've seen a trailer for it, Billy Bob Thornton's in it, Alfre Woodard is in it. Um, uh, uh, Regé Jean Page from uh, Downton Abbey is going to be in it as well. It is basically, it, it, from what I've seen, it's kind of like the ex-CIA operative is on the run from his former handler, pay, played maniacally by Chris Evans. Uh, the trailer is pretty good, so uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Have you heard anything about it, Chris? David? No, not at all. Nothing whatsoever. Fair enough. Um, but I, I think it's going to be good. I, I really like Chris Evans and his stuff. Ryan Gosling, he never seems to fail. I, I, Ryan Gosling always seems like the kind of person that I don't want to like, but then I watch him and stuff, and I'm like, nah, I like you. You're good. I love Drive. I love him in Drive. I think he's fantastic in that. Um, anyway, um, number 11, Mission Impossible 7, which should be coming out towards the end of the year. This one has Hayley Atwell in it. Oof. Um, the, I know some trailers dropped recently, which I tend to avoid trailers, so I've missed the trailer on that one. But well, you know, the Mission Impossible films, I I catch them. I was I, I mess with them. I like I like watching them. What about you? Do you like the Mission Impossible films? I think I've only seen about two. Uh, I'm not that really that bothered about them to be quite honest. But I mean, isn't this his second film this year? Tom Cruise. Well, you yeah. got um um. Top Gun, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, and then now Mission Impossible 7. Right, so, so I mean, how many films has that man been dropping per year for the last few years? I, how, and, and it's not just a case of how, how many movies is he dropping, how many taxing, you know, movies that are taxing on his body. He's like in his late 50s now, right? He's, he's 60. He's like, man, honestly, that dude is just, he, I, just watching him run makes me tired. So it's like more power to him. He can drop as many films as he wants. Um, I will watch as many of them as I can, except Top Gun. I haven't seen in a while. I wait till <laughs> it comes out. I wait till it comes out on TV and I'll watch it. But Mission Impossible, that one, I might watch it on box office. So uh, we'll see. Okay. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Ackle. And I'm producer Dave. And we are just coming to the end of the list of 13 non-superhero movies. Uh, that in 2022, that Peyton Manning from fandomwire.com has told us that we need to look out for. And uh, the last two on the list are Creed 3, which uh, is going to be directed by Michael B. Jordan. So Michael B. Jordan makes his directorial debut in this action drama. So he's going to be, so again, for, this, for the first time, Adonis Creed will be without Rocky Balboa backing him. And it'll be interesting to see how he grows as an athlete now that he's a father too. Ooh, spoilers. Um, and this time, his opponent is said to be played by Kang the Conqueror actor, Jonathan Majors. So Jonathan Majors, amazing actor. You've, if, you know, if you've seen Loki, you saw him as in the very, you know, the series Loki. He pops up at the very end. He's also in uh, uh, um, Lovecraft, Country, yeah, he was in Lovecraft Country. He's popped up in various things recently. He's in Harder Day Fall on Netflix. He's the main character in that. So he's going to be obviously playing the opponent to Creed in Creed 3. Producer Dave, have you followed the Creed um, franchise? Um, not really, no. Okay. Um, I haven't been watching them. I've seen the first one. The second one, I wanted to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. That's where it's kind of like he fights Ivan Drago's son. So it's kind of like, you know, 
the, the man who killed his father, he's now fighting his son kind of thing. I haven't seen it yet, but I do want to watch it. And I definitely will watch this one as well, so I can see how it goes. Anyway, let's wrap up the list with Avatar 2, which has Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana returning to play uh, uh, Jake and Neytiri, uh, you know, the, the characters from, from Avatar. It was a, an amazing feast for the eyes when it came out in, what, 2010? If I'm not mistaken, it was a pretty long time ago. And now the sequel has finally dropped, what, 12 years later, uh, Avatar 2. And I think Avatar 3 is coming pretty soon after that. And I think I saw an, um, a newspaper, news article that said James Cameron may not be directing the third one, but he's directed this one. So we'll see how this one goes. Were you a fan of Avatar? And are you going to be watching part two? Uh, no and no. Oh, wow. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I was a fan of the first one when I watched it at the cinema because, like I said, it was a glorious feat for the eyes. Um, but a few, it's like viewings afterwards, I was like, eh, that's all it was. It was just yeah, but it was 3D in the cinema, wasn't it? Exactly, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was highly immersive. So, uh, but I may, I may check out this, this second one again, maybe in the cinema just to get the full effect. But uh, yeah, I'm not too thrilled to go see it but it's okay Let, we, let's wrap up on this list let's jump into our spotlight and talk to phil green who's talking to us about his comedy performance in edinburgh here is spotlight You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're here with a stand-up comedian who is uh, preparing his Edinburgh show, which is called 90s Boy, Blair, The Love Gun, and Me. Please tell us your name and uh, tell us, just jump straight into it. Let's see. First of all, let me ask you the first question. Tell us your name and how long have you been in comedy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my name is Phil Green, and I've been a stand-up comedian for about uh, five years now. Um, so this is this is my first um, full uh, run as a solo uh, performer at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Um, but I've done stand-up comedy for yeah about five years. Fantastic. Now I, we'll get into the show that you're taking to Edinburgh. But I want to ask, and I ask this of all the comedians that we've been interviewing recently: Why choose stand-up comedy as a as a medium to get into? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, uh, most comedians have a sort of story where they fell into it. I think uh, I met very few comedians who uh, wanted to do that from a young age. It's, it's uh, everyone's got a different story. Um, my, one of, the reason I got into it is one of my, my best friends uh, about five, six years ago now split up with his uh, long-term girlfriend. He was in a, in a, not in a good way. And he wanted to do this comedy course. Um, and I said, I would do him, do it to support him. And we'd always been into comedy. I've known him a long time. We'd always been into um, comedy from, from, you know, teenagers. Uh, and so we always had an interest in it, but I said, I'd do this course with him. Uh, and that kind of culminated in like a showcase event at the end. Um, and that, that went well. Um, and then it, it went from there really. I started doing a few more gigs and I really got the bug. Uh, he gave up after two gigs, so um, uh, helping him, I've now <laughs> I've now ended up in a career doing this. But but yeah, everyone's got a different story about how they enter into it. But I had always been a comedy fan; I'd always loved it. My dad was really into um, things like Forty Towers and 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 Hancock um, and the radio old old forties radio shows. 
um, and uh, Monty Python. So I, I kind of grew up uh, watching and listening to a lot of comedy. So it was always a passion, but I never really thought about doing it until this friend persuaded me to do this course. So that's uh, that's kind of what uh, kind of led me into it. But like I said, I think every comedian's got a different story about how they fell into comedy. I love hearing those stories about one person wanting to pursue a particular career. And it always seems to be in in arts. It always seems to be acting, music, comedy, where there's one person who wants to go and do it. The other person is not interested in it whatsoever, but going there as support. I know <laughs> yeah. someone like Terry Hatcher the, from uh, Desperate Housewives. I think there were some other, some other actors I remember having that same sort of storyline where it's nothing that they were interested in. They go to support somebody else. And then when you ask what that other person is doing, they're accounting or lawyer or doctor or dentist. Yeah. Just something completely different. Uh, so it's good to hear that you decided, you found what you felt was your calling uh, by accident and you've, uh, you've run with it. Now, uh, the fact that you went on to that comedy, uh, comedy course. Now, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about going on comedy courses, et cetera. And just like with acting, I'm, I'm thinking it's, so, it's one avenue to get into stand-up comedy. I know there are a number of other comedians who haven't done a comedy course, but from your perspective, tell us what you gained by going on a comedy course and how it helped you to where you are right now about to go and do an Edinburgh show. Yeah, I mean, I think one, one thing they tell you at the start of uh, any comedy course, I think, because um, I've done I've done a few for different things, but, but um, any comedy course will tell you they can't teach you to be funny. Um, but they can teach you to find the funny in in stuff that's happened within your life. Um, and they can teach you things like mic techniques. They can teach you how to present, how to how to hold yourself on stage. And that all helps. So people do them for lots of different reasons, actually. So you, you'll find people doing comedy courses, not necessarily because they want to be a stand up comedian, but they want to be better at presenting in work or presenting in, in, um, in whatever line of work they do or just be more confident as people. Um, but, uh, but, but for me, I think it was, it was coming through the process with a group of people. So it was having that kind of camaraderie. Everyone's in the same boat. Whereas if you just go straight out onto the circuit and start doing open mics, you've got people at lots of different levels. Um, you will have people that, that have just started too, but, but to come through with a group of sort of 10, 15 people who, who are all in the same boat and there to support each other. And I remember we had a WhatsApp group and, and not everyone is still doing that. Most of them aren't still doing it. But, but to start off with, it kind of gives you confidence to know there are people around you that are supporting you. So if you have a bad gig, there's somebody that's kind of give you a slap on the back and say, don't worry, the next one will be better. Uh, or if you do well, then they're there kind of you know, cheering you on. So um, I think it does help for a lot of people. That's, a, that's an amazing point of view, just the, the, the perspective of actually having people who are around you just basically you're all doing exactly the same thing if you're solo and and you're you're wandering into a, a an open mic night you're going there on your own without any sort of backup support unless you brought some people to sit in the audience with you there's nobody there that yeah. feels the same thing as you do your your supporters who are in the audience are thinking you'll be fine you'll be fine but that's not what you want right you want someone to be say yeah you'll be fine but your joke needs to be your it needs to be punchier you need to be able to, uh, you know, cut out the unnecessary words out of your setup in order to be able to get to this point. And you get that from having people along your 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 level, right? So I, I do appreciate that. that's a, um, a great uh, perspective on comedy courses. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are here with comedian Phil Green, who is prepping his show 
for Edinburgh. Uh, and he, the show is called 90s Boy Blair, The Love Gun and Me. Let's start, first of all, with the title. Give us what the title is about and then tell us a little bit more about what your show is going to be. Yeah, sure. So, well, I tried to make the, the, the title as reflective of the show as I can do. When you are uh, sort of not a, a big name or, you know, you're, you're sort of coming up, um, it, it's, it's difficult often to, to get people in to see shows uh, just on the basis of your name. So you need to have an interesting hook and interesting angle. So the show, um, it, uh, and I'll, I'll go into it, but it, but it, but it, is, uh, it is about those things. It's about growing up in the 90s. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit about politics. It's a little bit about music. It's, uh, it's a little bit about uh, mental health. Um, so it covers lots of different subjects, but it's really about being a teenager in the 90s and, and how um, influences then have affected uh, my life now, if that makes sense. So um, uh, hopefully that, that title kind of represents that and we'll, we'll, we'll sort of pull people in. That's the idea. Uh, and you mentioned mental health. Uh, reading in your bio, uh, elements of mental health, you, you include the fact that uh, you are, if I, if I read correctly, you have ADHD. So you, you're essentially talking about how you grew up um, with with that and had to deal with things. Uh, can you how how do you extract? And you mentioned this earlier. How comedy courses will help you to extract what is funny out of things in your life. How do you extract a comedy out of something as serious as uh, mental health? I think I think um, you have to be able to to laugh. Uh, at uh, at it for a start I think that's quite important I mean I got diagnosed quite late in life I got diagnosed in my 30s um, but it was something that I, I sort of started to learn more about as I got older because when I was at school there wasn't a lot of awareness about any uh, neurodiverse condition really um, I think dyslexia people knew a bit about but other than that there wasn't a huge amount of awareness so it didn't get diagnosed at that point but obviously um, when you know later in life, you look back and think, oh, that's why I did that. That's why I, I couldn't concentrate in that. That's why I used to kind of uh, be hyperactive as a kid. Um, so, so, and there's lots of like funny stories from, from when you're younger that you realize, that you realize are attributed to, to that condition. So it's really kind of um, thinking back and, and mining that. And, and obviously, well, after I got diagnosed, I, I had a sort of really reflective period about uh, you know what how it had affected my life and and a lot of it is funny um, uh, and, and that's not to sort of dismiss it or not take it seriously but first of all you've got to be able to, to sort of um, I guess uh, excuse yourself when you've done things that you sort of or, or behaved in a weird way perhaps um, because you, you you kind of go okay well okay that's that's why I kind of um, uh, couldn't concentrate in, in that particular lesson. You think, okay, well, actually, it wasn't just that I was lazy. It was actually just that uh, I had something I didn't know I had. Um, and and but there's loads of there's loads of stuff I used to do as a kid that you kind of think, oh, okay, well, now it makes sense. So I think that's uh, 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 that's really. I think it's it's tackling a serious issue, but also be able being able to make light of uh, the funny side of that issue. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And and as you said, it's. Uh, there is the tendency when someone has, uh, you know, something that is really dear to them, really personal to them, that could be seen as it is life changing, right? The, the, your diagnosis um, that obviously could then weigh down on certain people, and they may not find it funny. They might find it very. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we we, we still got you. We we still got you. Um, so because of that element, it's good 
to be able to see that you are able to express and find something that's funny about it and share with with other people so that other people who are experiencing that but don't not finding it funny can see you know that someone else is just like them and they can laugh about their own uh, situation now your show you've got a number of previews coming up um you on the 11th of July you're at the Cavendish Arms love the Cavendish Arms in in uh, Stockwell uh, you've got uh, on the 14th uh, of July, Tunbridge Wells, and the 17th at Jolly Gardens in Vauxhall. Uh, we'll put a list of the previews that you've got going on uh, on the show notes for, for the show. So you're doing a number of previews at the moment. Uh, the, the, the very uh, first one that we, or the next one that we, when this episode goes out is on the 11th of July in Cavendish Arms. Uh, so you're doing a preview of your show going up to Edinburgh. How many previews have you got lined up before you go up to Edinburgh? And tell us which one in particular are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I've got about uh, eight, I think, um, and possibly might be adding a couple of dates to that. Um, so, yeah, I've got a few in London. I've got the Cavendish Arms on the 11th of July. Uh, I'm also doing the Museum of Comedy uh, in Holborn on the 19th. Uh, and just before I go to Edinburgh, I'm doing one at Aces and Eights in Camden, which is the part of the Camden Fringe Festival, which is a really great comedy festival that runs in parallel with Edinburgh, if anyone's um, interested in checking out a London-based uh, comedy festival. Um, so that one I'm really looking forward to because it's a really great venue. I think that's probably the one I'm most excited about. And because that's close to when the uh, Edinburgh Festival starts, that should be when the show is uh, hopefully ready. It's at its most polished uh, and ready to go up to uh, uh, up north of the border. So, um, yeah, but I think, to be honest, I'm excited about all of them. I've done um, quite a lot of previews already this year. I actually managed to do quite a few last year um, at different festivals. It was a bit sort of, sort of uh, strange last year. There was still quite a lot of COVID restrictions around festivals, but managed to squeeze a few in. So, um, you know, this has been a sort of, uh, two-year journey for this show uh, to get it to Edinburgh, but um, uh, it's it's definitely mu much closer to the finished product. And I think by uh, by the time um, that that show comes around in Camden, it, it definitely will be there. So, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm producer Dave. And uh, before we go on to with more comedy. Um, shows that you're going to be doing, I just want to ask because we are a film and TV show. I just want to ask. What kind of comedy films do you rate or have as go-to favourites? Um, I well, I, I, I watch a lot of. So I was, uh, I, I was a big comedy fan in the night. So I love things like Vic and Bob. I've sort of followed their career all the way through, and and I love everything that they still do now. Um, I love the stuff that Steve Coogan does, um, not just Alan Partridge, but some things like The Trip and and um, lots of his other characters. I think he's he's a terrific performer. Um, in terms of stand-up comedians, I, I, I'm a big fan of Eddie Izzard, um, a big fan of Stuart Lee. Um, I like people um, that are kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit uh, out there, I guess. Um, and, but I also have quite a diverse uh, favourites in terms of comedians. I like people like Mickey Flanagan as well, uh, Sarah Millican, uh, Sarah Pascoe. Um, they're, they're great stand-ups too. I think the shows probably that when I was growing up that were, were, were the most influential, apart from the ones I mentioned, are things like Brass Light. I like sketch comedy, like Big Train as well. Um, but uh, but there's lots of great new comedy coming through now as well. Like Derry Girls is brilliant. Um, I think that's one of the best sitcoms I've seen in years. Fleabag was obviously a great sitcom too. Uh, things like Stathlet's Flats on, on Channel 4, that's, that's great. 
Um, and I think I think we're seeing a bit of a, a renaissance in in comedy at the moment, which is which is really really good to see. Do you have any films that you actually find worth watching over and over again? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love Groundhog Day. It's one of my favourite films. Um, I also love uh, the Monty Python films, Holy Grail and, and Life of Brian. I think they're terrific. And I like slapstick. I like when it when it's done really well. Um, the it, it, it's as good as any joke you can write. So I think physical comedy at its re, at its best is uh, as clever as any joke you can write. If you watch the, uh, if, uh, like I mentioned Airplane, but if you watch the Naked Gun films, for example, um, it's just full of brilliant moments of slapstick. It's full of um, uh, really, really inventive ways uh, of, of getting a laugh. And, it, and, it's, and it's relentless. And every time you watch those films, you see something you didn't see previously. Um, and it, so I, I can watch them over and over again and still notice new things. Uh, so I think, I think that's what I love about it. Also, um, it's not the sort of comedy that I, I'm good at doing. So you always want to do the thing you can't do. So <laughs> I think I watch it partly for that reason, but, uh, but it, it's, they're, they're great. And they're classics too. Now, staying with the films and TV, do you have any aspirations to do work for TV and film? Yeah, I I'm not, don't consider myself uh, an actor, but I, I um, would love to do sort of uh, some kind of uh, comedic character performance stuff. I do improv as well as stand-up, so um, I often create characters on stage when I'm doing that. Um, and I would quite, I think I'd, I very much enjoy sort of sketch-based comedy uh, or character-based comedy within within TV or, or film. That would be uh, definitely an ambition. And that's usually the progression that tends to happen with stand-up comedians. Uh, you know, they start on, on on stage and then they go and do comedy shows and then moves up to panel shows, et cetera. And then some then take off and move in a completely different direction. Look at Eddie Izzard. I know he's still performing, uh, uh, um, you know, stand-up comedy but he's actually now known as being more of a dramatic actor, which is fantastic because it's, it's great to see when he does that. Um, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iaco. And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us comedian Phil Green, who has his standout performance or stand-up performance in Edinburgh coming up soon called 90s Boy, Blair, The Love Gun and Me. He's got a number of previews coming up, which we're going to put on our show notes and we'll try and push it out as much as we can uh, for the previews that are happening in London. There's one on the 11th of July at the Cavendish Arms in Stockwell. There is the 14th of July at Tunbridge Wells. There's the 17th of July at Jolly Gardens, Vauxhall. Just a, a quick question, uh, Phil. Uh, the Jolly Gardens, it's, def it's not the same as the Vauxhall Comedy Club, is it? No, I've performed at Vauxhall Comedy Club many times, but no, this is a, uh, a double bill um, Edinburgh preview at the Jolly Gardens, which is probably about five minutes from from Vauxhall Comedy Club, but it's a it's a really nice pub. Um, but uh, I need uh, my my show has a bit of multimedia in it, so it needs a screen and a projector. So uh, Vauxhall is not quite as well equipped as, as uh, this pub for that, but it's it's a brilliant comedy club, and I love getting there too. Excellent. I've got one last question. I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to throw it to producer Dave, who's got one last question as well that he wants to ask. Um, and if, if, if Phil. You've, 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 you've been working for five years as a stand-up comic. You've worked your way from the open mics all the way to a, um, a, a set that you're going to perform at the Edinburgh Festival. So I just want to ask, uh, from your perspective, how do you progress? It's like, give us like mile markers that you've reached going through. The reason I'm asking this is because we have a YouTube channel called uh, uh, The Idiot on the Comedy Circuit, where we're sort of building a... Right. Yeah. So um, I want to I want to find out 
Can you give us some mile markers that you have from performing your first open mic to doing five minutes to then doing seven minutes to then having your Edinburgh show? Is that something that you can mark out for us? Um, yeah, to, to a certain extent you can. I think, I think going, uh, so as you mentioned, they're going from five to seven to 10. Those are big markers. Um, and yeah, you have to be honest with yourself as a comic because, uh, about when you reach that point, because if you could do five, you can do 10, but you doesn't mean it's a quality 10. You might be filling them out with a bit of fluff. So it's about having a 10 minute set that, you know, you're confident that you could walk into a comedy club and, and it would, and it would, and it would, you know, uh, blow the audience's minds. That's kind of where you need your club sets to be. Uh, when it's five, 10, 15, 20, you want it to be consistently good throughout that set, not sort of filler. Um, so those are big, those are the big markers. I think probably the, your first paid gig, that's definitely um, uh, a big moment, I think, in, in most comics' life, uh, the first time they get off of that. Um, there's other moments, things like competitions. Uh, there's quite a lot of comedy competitions and new act competitions. Uh, those can help uh, people's comedy careers. Uh, they're not the be-all and end-all by any means, but they, they can definitely help. Um, and then I think probably it's, it's about when you then uh, start getting uh, gigs in the big clubs. Um, so again, if uh, usually with with clubs, you uh, they'll offer you usually a, what's called a middle spot, um, an open spot in the middle, which is usually about ten minutes. Uh, if you do well at that, then you progress to kind of being a, a to opening, um, which would be a, a fifteen or twenty minute set to open a night. Uh, and if you do well at that, then you you end up progressing to uh, to headline clubs as well, which is which is what you where you want to be. Um, and in terms of like uh, doing your own show. Uh, there's again, there's no kind of set rule to this, but generally speaking, a lot of a lot of comedians will do um, what we call a, a split bill. So um, you might do um, a, a show with two or three uh, other comics, where you split an hour and you take that to a festival, and that helps for lots of reasons, especially sort of financially as well, because uh, it's very expensive to do these festivals. Um, so if you go up with a couple of uh, comedian mates and you can split an hour between you and it all do, let's say, twenty minutes each, that helps. Um, and then that gives you, uh, I guess, um, the experience to, of, of actually putting on a show, knowing how to market it, knowing how to set up, knowing what's a good room, what's a bad room, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then from there, people go to doing um, a 45 minute show to then an hour show. And, and that's that's generally the progression. Like I say, there are people that just go straight in and do an hour. Um, but generally, it's, I, I, I find it's it's better when you kind of work your way up to that um, and learn all the kind of technical aspects of putting on a show as much as getting the material together. Just a, one quick last question for me. Um, we've been asking this of all the comedians that we've spoken to. Uh, how do you recover from a bomb? You know, when you've gone into a room, you, you, you've you said your piece and nothing happens, it, the, the joke bombs, how do you recover? Um, well, I mean, it, it depends. If it's if it's a club set, um, then you know you're only getting through 10, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, but also when you're doing a club. So uh, you, you can recover mid set. Uh, that can happen. If you're doing a club set in particular, um, you can you can switch what you're going to talk about. So if you've got enough material and, and if you usually if you've watched the comedians that have been on before you and you've seen what is working with that crowd, um, sometimes you can you can change what you're going to do before you go on. But sometimes mid-set, if you think, well, this isn't working, so I'm going to switch to a, uh, a different story um, or, or maybe talk about a different subject or maybe something that's that's, um, re something that's resonating particularly well with the crowd on that night. So that, that's easier to do. 
when you're doing a full show um like like uh, i'm doing uh but that's that's scripted you can't really change that it is it is what it is um so that's hard <laughs> when you have to when you know that the, the crowd aren't really with you uh you've got to get through the hour but it's part of the learning process um and you just have to kind of just kind of troop on through it and get to the end and still deliver as good a performance as you possibly can because also you never know who is in um and in, in a crowd of let's say 50 people there will be at least two or three people that are enjoying it and that's who you're playing to it's those people it's finding those people and, and making sure they still have a great show even if the rest of the audience isn't enjoying it um and 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 i think that's kind of has to be the takeaway is that when you know that there were definitely still people in there that that uh, that enjoyed it uh, they had a great night, even if everyone else didn't. And the next show will be better because the next show is always better. Phil, we want to thank you for taking the time to sit with us and discuss your show, uh, The night, uh, 90s Boy, Blair, The Love Gun and Me, which is going up to Edinburgh this year. Uh, the preview shows, which are all across London, uh, Cavendish Arms on the 11th of July, Tombridge Wells on the 14th. You mentioned Camden Festival as well, uh, just before you head up to Edinburgh. We're going to take that list and put it on our show notes so that as many people can go and support you as possible before they before you head up to Edinburgh. We wish you all the best. And we hope when you go to Edinburgh and you perform and you slay, you're going to come back on the show and tell us how much of a wonderful performance it was and how great it was and how you've now decided to move on and become have an improv show with Eddie Azard at some point. <laughs> very happy to. Yeah, excellent. Phil, thank you very much for joining us. Speak thank to you. you guys. Cheers. And that was our conversation with Phil. Phil obviously was out of the country and using Zoom. Uh, there were tons of issues uh, with the audio. So apologies for that. Actually, let's let's say it before and after. So just before, so people are aware of it before. No, no, no. Just say after. Simple. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so that, that was our interview with uh, Phil Green. Phil was out of the country and we did this over Zoom. So again, issues with sound. Apologies for that. But hey, you know what? We, we do what we can in, in this new post-COVID world. Can't wait for us to get back into the studio so we can talk to people without issues like this. I mean, we can still have some, some audio quality issues when I'm staring them in the face and talking to them and I can't get words out of my mouth. That, but that's usual. So everyone understands about that. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you all for taking the time to sit down and listen to us uh, ramble about random stuff. Uh, without you, we wouldn't be doing this. So we deeply appreciate this. We also want to thank Resonance FM for not listening to our show. Like I say this all the time, because if they listen to our show, they would cancel us and we would no longer be uh, on air. And I would just be having weekly Zoom calls with Dave. And then David we would just turn around and say, look, uh, I've humored you for three weeks. But this is getting sad. So please stop calling me. And uh, Enjoy the rest of your life. So, Resonance FM, don't listen to our show so we can still use your airways so that producer Dave is trapped in his uh, in this in this meaningless existence where he has to sit down and listen to me ramble about uh, random stuff about films. Uh, you've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance FM. I have been Marcus E. Akko. And I'm still producer Dave. And thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.